0: I was reading a short about, a short uh, mention of the Spanish Civil War and a fellow named Emilio Mola. Uh, I don't know anything about that. I, they probably talked about it in my history class when I ignored the teacher. But um, this Emilio uh, Mola was marching upon the city and he was asked how many columns of army was behind him, and he said, five. Well, he said, actually, I have five columns. I got four columns behind me, and then I have one column inside the city to where I'm marching. The um, picture of betrayal within the walls of the city And that's what Peter's going to deal with here. He's going to deal with where the church is pressured from outside, but we're really susceptible to what's inside. And the uh, teachings, the enemy within the church, this fifth column of the church, he's going to begin to talk about that in chapter 2, the false teachers. Let's read at least the first three verses of 2nd Peter chapter 2 False prophets, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and If he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then, so there's four if clauses, and now he goes, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. And we'll just stop right there. It's a paragraph break. I think it's a legitimate paragraph break right there. Today, we're just going to look at these first three verses. There's a lot in these first three verses. There's really a lot in verse 1. But... uh, So Peter's continuing his thought from the end of chapter 1, the context of the church has true teachers today, at least as he's writing there. uh, And uh, uh, the church has had, he says, true prophets. Uh, That would be verses 16 through 21. In uh, chapter one, so he says the church has true teachers, and he's talking about himself, and he's that's where he says we were eyewitnesses of the glory uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and we didn't devise these cleverly myth- clever myths, but we brought you the word of God, and it was verified uh, by our experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. Then he also then he goes to the church had had true prophets uh, uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, those last three verses there in that last paragraph of chapter one, uh, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, uh, and uh, just that. And so he begins now in chapter two, just as there were true prophets in the Old Testament time and true teachers in the first century that they have just. As that is true, there are also false prophets in the old and false teachers are here today. Uh, I I pulled a few verses out of Jeremiah just to give a a flavor. What do you know about Jeremiah? What's the book of Jeremiah? The prophet Jeremiah. Hmm? Okay, he's a weeping prophet. Why is he weeping? Nebuchadnezzar's coming. He has uh, preached the message. He was called to from his mother's womb, he said. And he's preached this message and they've just not paid attention to him. In fact, he's left behind when they take him into captivity. He's an old man, not interested. The uh, uh, Babylonians were not interested in him. They wanted the younger guys, so they took Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, and Ezekiel, they took him, the younger Folks, <clears throat> well, I, I'm going to, th- these are just some select verses that he talks about the prophets. You know, uh, as he preached the message and told them Nebuchadnezzar's coming, they just rejected him. In fact, they put him in stocks. Like, he'd get out of the stocks, he'd preach again, they'd put him in a well. They'd, they, they just didn't pay attention. Here's, here's what he said. An appealing and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their direction. My people love to have it so, but what will you do when the end comes? So, an appalling thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. Uh, That's 5.30. 5.13, the prophets will become wind, and the word is not in them. Jeremiah 14.14, 14, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, God says to Jeremiah to preach this, I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination and the deceit of their own minds. Jeremiah five four. you have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you, all his servants, the prophets, and they just rejected them. There were good prophets, there were bad prophets. Uh, they did not listen to Jeremiah. But here in verse three, or in these first three verses, false prophets arose. That's kind of past tense. Just as there will be false there will be false teachers among you. And he explains what they are. And in their greed, verse 3, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. So he goes from the past to the future. And then he, in verse 3, he brings it right down to today. And so uh, their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. So for Peter, he's saying the future is now. These false prophets... That are going to, false teachers, they're here. Uh, uh, The threat is imminent. He's concerned about them. In the first century, they had false teachers. In the second century, there were more false teachers. In the 21st century, there's false teachers. Uh, If the Lord tarries in the 40th century, there'll be false teachers. Peter is just saying this is a continuous. Problem, a continuous fifth column in the church that we all need to be aware of and we need to be discerning and pay attention. But he does announce in verse 3 their final doom. There will be a final doom. Uh, And look at verse 16 of chapter 1. We did not follow cleverly devised myths, Peter says. And then uh, verse 3 of chapter 2, in their greed, they will exploit you with false words, with molded words, with words that they shape into meaning what they want them to mean. So there's the bookends. We didn't follow cleverly devised tales. They come to you, and the, if you have NIV, with stories they made up. It's just, it's false teaching. So, uh, though the uh, old testament prophets' messages uh, uh, they were old testament messages, but they're they 're relevant to us. False prophets arose among the people of Israel. Peter was a sort of he was an apostle to who the Jews generally. But he was the first one to take the message right to the Gentiles where there was obvious uh, Holy Spirit made himself obvious to them. Uh, But Peter was a champion, really, as much as Paul, of of tearing down the dividing wall. In uh, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So Peter is uh, playing this big part in understanding grace and helping to show that grace is for Jew and Gentile alike. So he warns this group, that he's writing to who are really uh, unidentified other than those who have a like faith with the apostles, he warns them to beware of the same kind of people, the same group of people that deceived the people, God's people in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. Um, if you want to turn to Deuteronomy 13... Just for some background, he warns the church to be aware of the same group who undermined God's people in the past. Deuteronomy 13. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder, this verse 1 of Deuteronomy 13, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, drop down to verse 5 that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God. Essentially, what Peter's saying here um, these are false prophets, their condemnation is not idle. They, they have a destiny awaiting them, but he says pay very much, very close attention to what God's word really says, to what the word, the message really is, so you can discern and test the spirits, whether they're true or not, uh, even in the church. 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. So as uh, as the people of God, false teachers will be among us. Jesus said so. Peter says so. Paul says so. Jude says so. Uh, John says so. The... Uh, the prophets and the teachers, the two offices that uh, are mentioned in Ephesians chapter four, hold high positions, high offices, and it's a serious claim to be it, to claim to be a teacher of God's word and to teach it falsely. And so Peter kind of coins his own t- term here: false teachers, a pseudo teacher. Uh, We'll see that he says they'll blaspheme, uh, they'll scoff at the truth as they uh, 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 turn the truth into error and will lead many people astray. The difference between these false teachers and the true teachers is a matter of life and death. It's eternal. It, we're talking about eternal issues. Um, I, I don't use Calvin's commentary very often, but I got a piece out of it that I that I thought was very relevant. Uh, we um, we live in a day, you know. Every generation thinks that the generation Jesus is going to return, right? And we think it's worse today than it's ever been. Wouldn't you say that? Isn't that typical of 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 how we all think? I mean, you know, this is we're. Jesus has to be coming back. It's getting so bad, and it's getting worse It's worse than it's ever been. Let me read you. I mean, this is a little bit long. It's not real long, but Calvin, in, in uh, comment, commenting on these false teachers, the Spirit of God has declared once and for all that the church will never be free from this internal trouble. If we think, and this is my comment, And I'll come back to, if we think things are worse than they have ever been, Calvin continues, when Peter says many will follow, he said, a large number of men are led astray so that few continue in true obedience to Christ. So at this day, there's nothing more, nothing that more violently disturbs pious minds than such a defection. Here's the statement that, for hardly one in ten of those who have once made a profession of Christ retains the purity of faith to the end. And you say, wait a minute, this is the Reformation. This is the preacher of Geneva. This is Calvin. And he says, one of ten, uh, is retains the purity of faith to the end lest this should make our faith falter peter comes to our aid and in due time foretells that this very thing would be that is that false teachers would draw many to sensuality calvin says we got trouble in the church many fall away we say But wait a minute, you guys don't know how bad it is. It's bad here, right? Well, it's bad, and it's going to be bad. The false teachers are going to be everywhere, and so we have to combat. And so Peter is helping these readers in the first century, or these who would hear it read, to watch out, and so we have to stay on our toes, too, uh, because there are many teachers so he tells us to avoid being duped, to avoid being deceived uh, in chapter 2, chapter 3 he'll say look, uh, they're going to scoff the false teachers are going to be scoffing, they're going to laugh at, at you and don't be despondent they have a future they will be done, dealt with eventually so uh, take the Commitment. Commit yourself to avoid errors. How do you do that? Okay, you abide in God's word. Anything else? I mean, hmm? Hmm? Yeah, let His word abide in you. Very good. Yeah, we we study the word, we um, uh, uh, do our best to uh, rightly divide it as we teach it, but even as we teach, wherever we hear the word taught, our antenna ought to be up, discerning all the time. And and like we ought to be about like the Bereans, right? As they were chased out of Thessalonica and they went to Berea, Paul and Silas and Timothy, and, and the Bereans listened to their message, but they checked them out with the word that they had. So Peter is uh, telling us uh, to beware, and um, there's some errors. How do we... How do we, what are marks of the false teachers that we can draw from this passage? Uh, Here's one their teaching is hard to spot. You can turn on your TV and you can listen for a long time to many of the TV preachers and not hear anything explicitly wrong. Right? I mean, you can hear a lot of wrong stuff explicitly stated, but you can, hear, you can listen to a lot of people and you'll not hear anything explicitly wrong. But there's two problems. One, they're on TV and they know it. Two, it's what they don't say that really gets them in trouble with their beliefs so often. What they leave out we've got to be alert to that. We've got to be discerning in all of that. Um, their thoughts will be plausible. Their arguments will be often sound, logical arguments. Uh, but notice here he says, they will secretly bring in destructive heresy. They'll smuggle them in the back door. As they're teaching you in the front, they're smuggling in error in the back. Um, And so we just have to be aware, uh, you know, uh, this idea, uh, uh, Calvin says, their words are artfully formed for the purpose of deceiving. They're false words. They're plastic. We talked about that last week. they're, They're moldable words. They shape and they intentionally form what they say to look like the genuine article. Peter just says we need to be careful. Their, their errors are often hidden. Um, uh, the, and, and they're teaching destructive heresies. I was talking with Corey. Uh, I, I didn't realize this. The word heresy is really, uh, initially, is the idea of a, a group who is different from you. A sect. A um, sect. And there's a place, uh, the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, the sect of the Sadducees. That's the same word that we have as heresies here. So the Sadducees, what he's saying is the Sadducees are a group of people who are set apart with specific ideas and specific beliefs. Or uh, the apostles are... That. They're, if you will, heretical in that sense of a group of, uh, of men who believe a certain uh, way that's different from other groups. Um, some believers who belong to the party, the heresy of the Pharisees. That doesn't mean that they're teaching falsely according to the Jewish faith, it means that they're different. They're set apart as a particular group. Um, For we have found this man a plague. Speaking of Jesus, uh, Paul is relating this. uh, One who stirs up riots among the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, that would be considered by the religious leaders of the Jews heresy. But among the Christians, it became the idea of False teaching uh, uh, to mean a divisive faction uh, against the truth. And so Peter just kind of, uh, not only are these false teachers different from the true teachers, but then he adds an adjective that just kind of tightens the noose around their neck. They're destructive heresies. They're, They're differences that will lead to destruction, and many will follow. He says. Uh, so, uh, but they're nothing teaching nothing but these fanciful stories, and they'll lead to condemnation. Then we got the problem. Even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So, what do we do with that? Is there a problem with this text? Well, there's a problem with our understanding of it, I will say. What, what, what does he mean, even denying the master who bought them, leading to destruction, uh, or, or bringing upon themselves swift destruction? Anybody have an understanding of this? Uh, I've, I've got three possibilities that only one will be will work Uh, apostates they are apostates the question is were they ever true christians right okay no we say no uh okay Anybody? I mean, that—that's an. We got to deal with this somehow, right? Do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus died on the cross to save His people forever, the elect, His people forever? Yes, sure, okay. So, what does it mean? They deny the master who bought them. Does that mean Jesus died on the cross, paid for their sins, and when they deny them, they're not saved? No, that can't be what Peter means, All right? I, I this word "master" is not the typical word for "lord." Uh, it's it's a it's huh it's it's a despot. It's a word that's let, let me just you, let's talk a minute about how that word is used. It's it's only used for sure one time about Jesus, but it is used about Jesus one time for sure in Jude chapter in Jude verse four. Certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So um, so it can refer to Jesus, but only once it does it. It's not a typical word that refers to Jesus. It's the word despot, despot. Uh, uh, it's a strong word that indicates the right of the Lord God to rule their lives. So they deny the one who has the right to their allegiance. Okay? The one who bought them. It's a usual word for a slave owner. Someone who is a slave owner. Someone who's really in one sense answerable to no one. Our master, So the master here is answerable to no one. Uh, God's absolute right it it, it refers uh, to God's absolute right to possess all men as creator and ruler. Let me just here I'll give you two verses acts chapter four verse twenty four uh, Peter and John have been, have gotten out of jail and they come and they testify of how it is that the Lord released them and when they heard it when the people who were gathered, uh, disciples were gathered together, they heard it, they lifted their voices to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, they address Him as Sovereign Lord. So that's, the wor- that's how the word is used most often. Revelation chapter 6, you, you rem- under the throne are the martyrs, and so they cry out to God, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood. So, it can be God as sovereign creator who has the right to rule and over everyone as creator. Everyone owes him allegiance. But to take that interpretation, we have to say, he bought everyone Has he bought everyone. I don't think that's a proper interpretation of master. I don't think it's a proper interpretation of Jesus. Or you can be bought by Jesus and then not be saved. That would be what? Double indemnity, double jeopardy, I mean. Right? If Jesus died for our sins and we're still condemned because of our sins, yeah. So, so what about Romans six then, when it says that He died for all? Doesn't that tie into that? Um, if uh, He He died for all who will believe in Him, you always have to put who will believe in Him. There has to be faith. If, if he dies for someone who then is not... If he really paid for the sins of everyone or, or for someone who ends up in hell, that's not just. He's unjust. If their sins are paid for and yet they go to hell. Huh? It he wouldn't be sovereign. What's that?
1: Oh, I'm um, sorry. I didn't, I
0: didn't hear That's all right.
1: That. Um... Um, yeah, not even just his sovereignty, but you're you're taking away God. He's powerful. <laughs> you're taking yeah. even you his power, like who he is, even away. Like, there's this, I don't know. Like if you're saying that he he died for someone, but they never accepted him and they didn't believe, and now they're in hell. But Jesus died for him, that. Just I mean, it just doesn't make sense. You're just you're you're putting God on a whole different level. Than yeah
0: let me let me say it this way did he die to make salvation to win salvation or to make it possible and he died to save his people that's just kind of where we are right where what we believe here let let me let me give you a third option let's like, think about bought and here's how it's used it's used about 30 times here's Matthew 13:48 And he's in the middle of the the, uh, parable talking about the pearl of great price. He went and sold it, sold all that he had and bought it. Almost all the times that the word bought is used, it's just a business transaction. 25 or 30 times. But there are some, uh, you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. So the Lord Jesus did buy us. With a price. He paid the ransom. He freed us. Right? Okay? So the problem is, if the master is Jesus, we know on the cross, Jesus bought and purchased our salvation. Uh, But if we read it this way, that Jesus bought our salvation, but bought the salvation of these false prophets, and yet they're not saved... That just doesn't uh, work with the theology of the atonement. Uh, Can anyone lose his or her salvation? Having been bought, can we be sure we'll be saved? Um, Well, um, they deny the master who bought them. Uh, Turn to Deuteronomy 32, and let's see if we can... If we can look at another way and uh, resolve all the issues, thirty-two. It's a hard passage. Uh, We don't want it to make it say what we want it to say. Um, The question: Were these false teachers truly converted? Uh, but Peter speaking that they deliberately reject the truth. They reject the rule of their master, so they're not disciples of Christ, even though they may have professed. Uh, a, a follower of Christ is willing to follow his master, right? Um, verse, chapter 32, this is the song of Moses. Uh verse 6 um yeah we'll just we'll just come to verse 6 do you thus repay the lord you foolish and senseless people is not he your father who esv will say created you uh new american will say who has bought you all right is not he your father who created you, or who bought you, who made you and established you? Now think about this this way. What's 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 Deuteronomy? What, what's the context of Deuteronomy? Okay, it's a going over the law a second time, a second going over the law, and, and the situation is Moses is old man. He's about to die. He's giving a few sermons in Deuteronomy to the people before Joshua takes them into the promised land. So they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. After what? Disobedient, Disobedient after the exodus, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. After the exodus, God has delivered them. When he delivered them they became a people of God. In one sense, he created them. In another sense, he bought them in that he delivered them. Now, they owe him full allegiance, right? And um, so, that's the picture. Maybe that's the picture Peter has. It's the only way that I can see to reconcile everything that Peter has And so he's saying these false teachers, um, uh, uh, these, well, he's saying, he's not saying that bought refers to the cross. It refers to this delivering, God who delivers his people. And he has delivered his people, and Israel rejected him. And these false teachers, deny the Lord who delivered the Israelites from Egypt, it doesn't refer to the cross, it doesn't refer that Jesus redeemed the false prophets and they were left, but that these false teachers were rebellious, just like those that God bought through the Exodus as they wandered in the wilderness and rejected God in the wilderness. These false prophets have rejected the master as those Israelites did. That goes along with the Old Testament prophets, is the context of what Peter has been talking about. Um, they were rightly owned by God. The Israelites were. He brought them out of the land, but they were ungrateful toward him. These folks, these false teachers are have denied the God who saves, who delivers. They never were Christians because they are just rejecting their uh, master. Um, Peter could identify, couldn't he, with denying? The difference in Peter's denial and these false teachers' denial is Peter's was a, it was a, if you will, a momentary lapse of, of cowardice as that little slave girl, though Jesus told him it was going to happen, never will I do that. The little slave girl came to him and denied Jesus three times. He went away, but he came back. These are bent on a continuing rejection and denial of their master. There's no inclination for them to repent, to be forgiven. Um, that that yes. Liars. Mm-hmm. So they're saying they're Christians, but they're teaching heretical doctrine.
1: Yes. And maybe Peter is just showing the hypocrisy here, the sarcasm here. That you say you were bought by the master, but your teachings prove otherwise.
0: Yes. Yes. So you've got old, good Old Testament prophets from chapter one. You got now good teachers, chapter one. Now you have false prophets. There were false prophets. There will be false teachers. And here they are. And their condemnation is not <laughs> idle, is how he closes verse three.
1: That, that there is, is motive and or intent in these false teachers. And I'm contrasting that with uh, unintentional error.
0: Yeah. Is, is, that,
1: yeah. is that a fair contrast? Well, yes, or,
0: that secretly bring in. Secretly bring in there's intention. That, that
1: I know better which would line up with, with verses twenty and twenty one in the same chapter, but would line up with I know the truth, well, I understand the truth, and I'm going to teach something differently. It'd be better for those to be you know be tossed away. That's that's kind of what I'm seeing here. Am I seeing that?
0: properly? Well, yeah, I mean, you're, there's a sense in which you read. That, we have to read that into it. But in their greed, they will exploit you. There's some intentionality, right? I mean, people can... Look, I can stand up here. I think about some of the things I taught years ago. And I say, oh my, I hope that didn't get recorded. I hope Glenn's recorder was broken. Uh, You know, I mean... uh, So we can unintentionally... We could unintentionally... uh, Bring in destructive heresies, but it seems to be secretly it's clandestine. This is this is this is that fifth column inside to betray a, a, a betrayal of the truth that they're in the church. You know what Jesus says? There's wolves, or Paul says to the Ephesian elders, watch out for the wolves out there. They're going to try to get into your church, but there's also wolves within, and you really have to watch out for them because they have. Coats and ties on. They're in sheep. They're in sheep's clothing. Yes, Martin. Sorry.
1: The warnings in
0: Hebrews two. Okay. Where, uh, kind of referencing back the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the unbelieving heart among the people. Mm. Um, so there is some intention, I think. I think that's that's valid. But there's also the ones within us who have the unbelieving heart that look like us, sound like us, but. Um, the unbelieving heart has actually is in them. Um, and the warning seemed to, to make it seem as though uh, it's as though Christ did. Uh, they are his. Mm-hmm. To, be, to us, we would assume the best of, of each other, uh, but these definitely seem to have fallen uh, away from that. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, it's, it's kind of referencing that same wilderness where um, where he's calling us to examine ourselves, and he, he alludes to the, uh, in, in verse one, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. So they, they seem to be partaking in the very same things that the people of God are doing. And the rock was Christ. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So they just they just didn't abide in
0: faith. Yes. Yes. So I mean that's I know that's a complicated way to get to it, but if you just look at it on the surface, it's really it's a hard passage. They deny the Master who bought them. Well, if we put Jesus as the Master and He bought us and we deny Him and we lose our salvation, or He bought us to no avail, did His uh, death on the cross uh, have no uh, value to His people? Of course it did. Yes, sir, David. Is that valid to Like that's a of sarcasm in that they're uh-huh. saying that uh, denying the master who bought them, Uh-huh. Saying that they saying say they were bought right. but they're not. The LLC, yeah. They're false prophets, they were not. Yeah. And and I I think that's true, but is that what it really says? It, 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 we want to be careful reading in our our, our our presuppositions into what the texts say. And the reason that I went as far as I did is because uh, that's the only way that it seems to me that he's making sense that he's comparing these false teachers to those false people of God in the wilderness who rejected their god who is their deliverer who they owe allegiance to because he made them his people these folks are denying the god who delivers again that's why it's a hard passage you know that man yes alan i wonder if verse 20 supports what your first verse 20, 20. In, in chapter 2, yeah, 2. For if they after they escape the defilement of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Yeah, maybe that'll support it. Some, similar we'll have to really look at what he's saying there but yeah
1: not a, not a salvific purchasing but a, a deliverance from the, the world of corruption that they were in by the knowledge of Jesus and then they're rejecting that very thing
0: yeah that's.
1: The the grace. it's a whole lot
0: better he says not to know than to know and refuse right you go back to some of the degrees of uh, sin. It'd be better for be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than for uh, Bethsaida, uh, because or woe to you, Bethsaida, because you know you know the truth so much better than Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be worse for you. Storing up, wrath. Storing up wrath, Romans chapter two. So there's there's the first of five of a false prophet is they are discreet they are uh, uh, clandestine uh, they don't look different uh, they sound plausibly the same so no sign they do not stand at the airport with false prophet sign to pick up their people they don't need to. They don't need to look at uh, what he says in, in in verse two. And many will follow their sensualities. That's a that's a plural word. They're multiple sensualities. You know, it's. Uh, I have second. The second mark of a false prophet is lawlessness, sensuality, uh, and I just. Um, it seems that the greater the heresy, the greater number of followers people have. Because the, the, the wider their lawlessness gets, the more different kinds of people and sensual uh, licenses they'll appeal to. We've got to stop here because it's 5 to 6. What's that? Verse 3 is, Verse all, three is all about greed. greed. Exactly. Yeah, follow the money, Right? <laughs> Okay, so we made one point in verse 1, and we'll, we got four more marks of a, of a false teacher that we can pull out of these passages. Want, any last thing? Anybody help us with this? <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you that your word, that we don't understand every bit of it because it's your word. It's living, it's powerful, and we are so finite. We, 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 Lord, help us to continue to desire to know you through your word. Fill us with your spirit.